Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. What a great opportunity and what a great honor it is to be here in this very, very special, special moment. Now you got to forgive me and I'm not going to be lengthy. If anyone leaves while I'm preaching, may the fleas of a thousand camels be in your bed tonight. May the crabgrass get your love. May you lose elasticity in your shorts as you walk out. Amen. I have a few more vials for you if you do that. But listen closely to me. Forgive me this morning if, if I'm just a little extra sentimental. Because Monday I'll turn 84 years of age. I've been preaching the gospel for 68 years. Started when I was 16 years of age. I preached through the years over 20, excuse me, over 30,000 messages. I've been married to the same old gal for 58 years. I'd rather fight than switch. Amen. You're slow, but you're worth waiting on. Amen. (laughs) I got alone on American Airlines over 6,000 miles just on American. Excuse me, that's wrong. Six million miles on American Airlines. But I guess the reason I'm so moved this morning is because I've been disturbed by what I've seen. First of all, It was like the Grammy Awards here this morning (laughs) with these wonderful men of God and this worship team and women of God sitting up here. And this church has been an incubator for some of the greatest worship legends. They'll go in the Hall of Fame of music. God has used them so great. Listen to the great Eddie James. My goodness, my goodness. Right here. Got his start in this church. And of course the gift that you gave to our church. It just keeps on giving every week. And then it's changed our church, Adam Rainey. Him and his beautiful wife, Benita. And then, of course, I listened to Ted, Teddy. My goodness, what a worship leader. What a great man of God and a great spirit. You're, you're at this church with the music. You're a bunch of spoiled, rotten brats. That's what you are. And don't you ever get used to what the Lord has done in this church. But most of all, I'm moved because of my dear friends, the Sawyers. Phyllis, that's the best introduction I've ever had. It beats your husband all to pieces. (laughs) Come to think of it, there was just one introduction that was better. There was nobody there to introduce me, and I had to introduce myself, you know. But, that. but I think you can tell that I feel right home. I feel like I'm a member of this church. And I remember, and I'll never forget this, because the first great offering that was given to us 27 years ago, when we were building, starting the Dream Center, 
was given by this church. And I want you to hear this. It was your about 13th year of being here. You just built a building and you were still paying off on that building that you built. You had needs as big as I had, maybe bigger. You had a church to pay for. You had things that needed to be added. Churches exploding, people being saved, new people coming in. But you know what you did? You took your building fund. 85000 dollars And you gave it to us. And that was the thing that really got us going out there. I'll never forget that as long as I live. There's only been one church that's given a bigger offering in 27 years. And that was a church in Seattle. And it was what they had a conference there. And they had pastors in and they had a lot of people. It was called Prosperity with a Purpose Conference. And that was the only one that barely beat you. But they had all those high-tech guys that came to their church. That's not fair. Amen. Not fair. But here's what I want to say. I'll never forget it. Pastor George and Phyllis are two of the dearest people to me into the Dream Center. Matter of fact, when he comes and preaches, when he finishes, they say he's a bad preacher which means he's a good preacher out there. Amen. But I tell you that, Phyllis, she's a bad woman. How many realize that? Amen. Thank God. You have to forgive me. You know, I'm from Texas, but I've been out there with those people in L.A. so long. I've adopted everything but their politics. So let me move on real quick. Amen. Now, you don't know what my politics is. Okay. You see, when you look at Tommy Barnett, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm a self-made man? And when you look at Tommy Barnett, I am not a self-made man. When you look at Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of the Oral Roberts. You see, Oral Roberts is my friend. He came every year to Phoenix, Arizona for a week, and we played golf together. And then at night, we'd get in the Word of God. All Roberts taught me the joy and the blessing of seed faith. That whatever you sow is going to come back. And let me tell you, I want one reason there's a blessing on this church. The Bible says when you give to the poor, you lend to God. And you started by giving to us, reaching the poor, and then to dream centers of your own. He taught me the joy of sowing seed. When you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of my dear friend, Youngie Cho, pastor of the greatest church in the world, who died two weeks ago, and I would have been a part of his funeral. They asked me to, but I couldn't get there because it was only three days later. But made a tape for his wonder. He taught me the joy. And why a big church is so important. He said a big church has an influence upon the city. When you speak and when a guy stays 40 years, he has a voice. An important voice in this community. So when you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Dr. Cho that it imparted in me. When you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of Herschel Barnett, my father. Taught me things that nobody else could teach, such as doing right, integrity, always doing right. 
So I believe in the power of impartation. I believe in these men standing up here today and saying to the pastor, God's done great things, but this is just the future. I'm often asked, Pastor Barney, can you tell me the secret of the blessings of God that are upon your life? Well, today I'm going to share with you something I don't think that you quite have ever heard. I'm going to take you on a graduate course for where we have been with something that God laid on my heart several years ago that changed my life, that opened up dreams and visions, taking the limit off of any of them. If you hear what I say today, it'll take off all the fears and all the anguish. I want to speak to you on the subject of surprise me, Lord. Father, for the next few minutes, I'll be right to the point, God. I pray that everyone will zoom in. For the first five minutes, they'll have to listen on purpose as I set a foundation. But after that, God, I believe they'll want to listen. So give me their attention. But most of all, give me your anointing in Jesus' name. Amen. There are several passages of Scripture in the Bible that things that we must do in order to have our prayers answered are conditions that we must meet. For example, the great John chapter 15 and verse 7. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now I want you to notice. It didn't say ask what you will first. It says, first, you've got to abide in me, and my word's got to abide in you. You see, prayer is not an Aladdin lamp that you can just rub and ask what you want to get at. Prayer is not a rabbit foot. Prayer is a formula that always works. It's not a guess proposition. If you abide in me, and that word abide means live. You don't visit there. You live there. You live in him. He lives in you. You live in the word. The word lives in you. His word abides in you. And then you can ask carte blanche. Ask anything that you want. God said, it shall be done unto you. Second Chronicles, verse 7 and 14. Here's another formula. You all know it. If my people, called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. God is a God of formula. There is a way that a nation can be healed and spared that always works. My people, it didn't say the devil's people. My people, called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will. Not I might. Not I usually do. Not I can do it. But I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive your sins. And I will heal your land. And that's God's promise. And that's a formula. Now, Follow me closely because here's the message. Suppose that I do that. 
Suppose that I meet the condition for answered prayer. The Bible says, then, let him ask what he will, and it shall be done unto him. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. This opens up a second choice. Now, you can ask what you will and give it. If you live that way, you can ask anything because your wonder changes. You begin to want things not necessary for yourself, but for the kingdom of God. You want what God would want for his kingdom come and his will be done. Follow me closely. The same qualifications for me to be able to have what I will qualifies me for a second choice. So when I've separated myself and I'm abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in me, then I have a second choice, a second way that I can pray. It's better put this way. There's two boxes here that you can check. The first box says, I may ask what I will. But there's a second box that you can join. And it reads this way. I may have what he wills and what he wants for my life. And the scripture of that is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now this may surprise you, but I hardly ever pray for things for myself. Now there's nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, we're commanded to ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. The Bible tells us the reason we have not is because we ask not. And remember, that's not what I'm saying we should not do. But you know why I don't pray for things much for myself? Because I'm afraid if I pray for something for myself, that God may have something bigger and better for me. Because his will for me and his dream for me and his desire for me is bigger and better that even I have for myself. I think I better get down where you live right now. You don't get it yet. Okay, let's just say that I prayed for a pint. That doesn't sound very good. Let me look here. Let's just say that I prayed for a fifth. No, that's worse yet. Let's go back to the pint. Suppose I pray for a pint. If I meet God's conditions, I believe that Maybe he was going to even give me a gallon. So I can have what I choose in the matter, or I can say, God, this is what I choose, or I can say, Lord, would you just choose for me? Because his will for my life is better than my life and bigger for my life and unlimited in my life. Still don't get it, so I got to tell you again. It was near Christmas time. And my wife said to me, honey, have you picked out my Christmas present yet? I said, yes, I have. I've already, oh, she said, I wanted to get you before you bought me a present because you always get the wrong size or wrong color, the wrong style. I just wanted money this year. She said, could you take it back and and get the refund and give me the money? I said, if you want me to. So I took this present back. I got the money. 
Christmas time came, she opened up, and then she could buy what she wanted to buy. Several months later, we were walking through the mall in one of my weak moments. I'd rather go through seven years of the tribulation than go to the mall, my wife. Come on. You all have a word, man. Amen. So as we walked along, we came to a jewelry store, and we looked in the jewelry store. And I said to my wife, would you like to see what I bought you for Christmas, but you did not want? Yeah, I sure would. And I pointed to a beautiful diamond ring that was in that case. And she went, oh. (laughs) Next Christmas came along. And I said, honey, what do you want me to do? You want money this year? Oh, no, she said, you just picked me out something and surprised me. Amen. You see, what God wants you and me to have is better than what you want to have within your life. But the tragic thing is we say, I want what I want. I want what I want. And God says, oh, but if you just knew what I want to do for you and what I want to give you. Now, the sermon's going to get good now. There are three things I want to tell you about that could change your life about this. Three statements. You may want to write them down. Statement number one, his plans are better than my plans. When I was 12 years old, God called me to the ministry. And I have a dream at that young age of wanting to build a church, a great church that we would glorify and would be a soul winning church. Now, suppose that I would have prayed that God would have given me a big church. The largest charismatic church at that time was a church of about almost a thousand people. Therefore, I would have probably asked God for a church of about 500 because that would have been a, a mega, a bigger church. Amen. And God would have probably given me that church of 500. But God had Something else planned for me that I couldn't even dream of. Did you know I almost blew it several times in my life by asking what I wanted instead of said, God, what do you got? We were looking for property for our church in Phoenix. Many of you have been there. And we saw a piece of property called Tolbury Mansion right in the middle of the city. It was unbelievable. I looked at it and it was for sale. And then we saw another piece of property. It was McCune Mansion, built right next to Barry Goldwater's mansion, built looking over Phoenix, paradise. It was just gorgeous. Barry Goldwater, and I almost prayed that God would give us that property. I wanted it. But you know what? If we drove up one of those 40 buses carrying American heathens, amen, (laughs) and those little heathens would jump out and run over his fence, How many of you know we could have had trouble? Amen. (laughs) Then we found a piece of property on the freeway. Hundreds of thousands of cars went by. The busiest freeway in the bustling city that we had. 15 acres. And the church board stood with me and we joined hands and we started to pray, God, give us this property. But I said, you know what? Let's pray that God will give us the property that he wants. Look what we would have missed 
if we would have bought those 15 acres. Look what we would have missed if we say, my will be done. We wouldn't have had room for even the 40 buses that we later had bringing people to the house of God. We wouldn't have had room for our auditorium. If you've been there, you've seen it. When it was built, the pews that would hold 6,000 people. We wouldn't have had room for the Christmas musical that we're going to have where some 80,000 people come over 17 days and jam the building and thousands of people raise their hand for salvation every night. We wouldn't have had room for the parking. We wouldn't have had room for the prayer pavilion on the side of the mountain that never closes 24 hours a day. We would have never had room for the small world village for the children or the youth building or the basis high school or our college, our prayer mountain, or the football field. If I would have prayed for that 15 acres that day, but I prayed this way, God, somewhere, someplace, you've got the piece of property that we need. And then God opened up 75 acres on the side of a beautiful mountain that we could build and people could go up and pray and seek the face of God. You see, his plan for you and me is better than our plan. Same was true when we went to L.A. We were looking for a piece of property. I prayed, oh God, I want a place that's kind of a destination point. People wanted to go there. They knew about it. So I looked at the Ambassador Hotel, the most famous hotel at that time. That's where Bobby Kennedy was killed. Beautiful place, right? On Wilshire Boulevard, the spot. I thought, I want that. But then we looked at the Jewish temple in Beverly Hills. It was gorgeous, big balcony. I thought, man, I get to preach to the movie stars. (laughs) And after all, you know, people think I'm pretty famous because at the airport, I can see it coming. I'll see somebody whispering to the other person, and they look and they point. And finally, someone gets out of nerve to come over and say, Did anybody ever tell you that you look like Jerry Jones? (laughs) So now when they come up to me and say, did anybody ever tell you that you look like, I say, Brad Pitt, yep, (laughs) amen. I thought, man, what an opportunity. That wasn't what God had for us. Then we saw the power and light building downtown. They wanted $8 million for it. It was gorgeous. 200,000 square feet park. It was great. And we even put money down on it. And they put it up for bid, but they said, you got it. And the Koreans, the very day that we were going to take possession, the end of the day, they came in and offered $8 plus $8 million. I've been bitter at the Koreans ever since. (laughs) But then one day driving down the freeway, I saw it on the side of the freeway, 15 stories high, 1,400 rooms, 400,000 square feet. And we got it for $3.9 million. And it was twice as big as the other building for $8 million. And today, the iconic Dream Center, when people think of the Dream Center, they see the Queen of Angels Hospital right on the freeway that looks like a beautiful hotel. 
that's reaching out to hurting people. I was tempted so much to just say, God, I want that. I got to have it and it'll be mine. But at the time, I could not fathom what God had for us. And so that's why the Bible says that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It is not even enter the heart of men, the things, everybody say the things, that God has prepared for us. God's got stuff prepared for you. And it was prepared from the foundation of the earth. But you'll never get it. Because you'll say, my will be done. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with praying that way. I'm not condemning anybody that prays. I claim it, I have it, that's okay. But after you finish, say, but God, if you've got something better, cancel that out. Come on, say a good amen. See, God's got a bunch of stuff prepared for you. But don't just check that one I've come to the conclusion that I've gotten a better, better life and gotten more stuff when I check that little square that says, I want what God wants for my life. Thy will be done. Because number one, God's plan is better than you. Number two, I don't even know all that God has. So if I don't know all that God has, how can I know what to ask God for? I think you didn't get this one. I got to tell you another story. A mother went during the depression to the grocery store. She picked out some stuff that she needed, flour, sugar, milk, butter, so forth. And her little son went to the counter to check this stuff out. But on the counter, there was a big old bowl of of hard candy, filled up to the top. Little boy was eyeing that, but his mother had no money for that. He could never afford to have that. But he kept looking at it, and the groceryman saw him. And he knew that 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 little boy was thinking that his mother could not buy him. He said, son, would you like to have some candy? He said, yeah. He said, just reach in there and get the biggest handful of candy that you can. Here's a sack. Little boy just stood there. He says, son, did you hear me? I said, reach in, get the biggest handful of candy that you can. The boy just stood there. Son, did you hear me? But the little boy did not reach in there. Finally, the old grocer just reached in there with his big hand, took out a handful, put it in the sack. The boy went outside with his mother, and his mother said, you were rude to that man. He was trying to help you. Why didn't you do that? He said, mama, because his hand was bigger than mine. Amen. <laughs> good news. God's hand is bigger than yours. God wants to use a scoop shovel while we're looking for a spoon. I don't know what God has. Oh, I'm preaching good. (laughs) So I'm going to say, God, I'm going to trust you because when you trust God, number one, God's plan is better than you. Number two, I don't know all that he has. And my final point, I don't even know what I need. Sometimes I don't even know what I want. God's blessed me so. I'm a spoiled brat. 
And God looks down and says, what am I going to do for that guy? I just, he's just blessed and he gives me stuff that I didn't even know that I wanted or would bless me. It blesses me more than if I picked it out myself. I was preaching one time in church and said, it was years ago, if I had a car that I'd choose my own, I don't know how, how that got in the sermon, but it did. I would choose one of those little Mercedes convertibles, red. That's all I said. Years later, a young man in our church who had been saved was driving home from work at three in the morning. The only job he could get, they were very, very fighting to, to survive. When a drunk driver ran the stoplight and hit him in the side, killed him instantly. Well, the church loved this family. We paid for the funeral. We blessed them. We helped them. And they were so grateful. Well, the guy that hit him was extremely wealthy in a lawsuit, brought a lot of money to her. And then, of course, the insurance settlement was big. And though they got quite a bit of money. One day, she, somebody said, I was in my office, there's a young lady out here to see you. She says, it's important. So I went to the lobby, and she said, Pastor, I got something I want to show you. I said, okay. So we walked outside and stood, and she put into that beautiful, brand new, red convertible Mercedes. And said, see that? And I said, wow, that's beautiful. And she threw some keys at me and said, that's yours. I mean, you know, I was floored. And after I got myself together, I said, look, I appreciate that so much, but I want you to have that. Oh, no, no, no. God told me to give that to you. I said, well, I really appreciate that, but God's speaking to me to give that. You need to have that, amen. So it was a duel between the gods there, amen. <laughs> okay. I said, I tell you what, let's do. Let's just pray about it for a week. And if, if, if God says that's what should happen, then that's what we'll do. Okay, Pastor. So a week later, she came back, and I said, well, how you doing? Good. What did God tell you? He told me it was yours. And I said, look. She said, please don't make me miss God, Pastor, please. And I said to her, look. If I'm wrong, I'll answer to God someday, but you won't have to because you gave it to me. You obeyed God. But I, I just think that you ought to, that this should be yours. I knew from the very beginning that it should have been hers, but, you know. And so, with tears in her eyes, she said, okay, Pastor. And then she hugged my neck and we cried together and I thanked her and she walked out and got in my car and drove off. <laughs> you know, my son Luke, he said, Dad, uh, she did hear from God. She just got the wrong Barnett. It was Luke Barnett. <laughs> He's not as spiritual as me, you know what I mean? And I went in to my office and I got up on the couch. I took my shoes off. That's what I do when I get happy. And I got up on the couch and I just went, jumped up and down and just shouted and praised God. And I said, Lord, I really didn't want that dumb car. I just wanted to know I could have had it if I wanted to. <laughs> Come on, give the Lord a good clap on me out there. Thank God. I don't know 
I want. I travel a lot, and I eat a lot in restaurants, and sometimes the food tastes always the same, no taste at all. So sometimes I go to a restaurant, and I'll say, look, tell the chef, to fix me up the best thing he's got in the kitchen and just surprise me. And they bring out the chef's special and say, surprise, surprise. And sometime God comes to me. And I said, Lord, I've met your conditions. I've met your formula. I've abided in you. Your words abided in me. I don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I don't stand in the way of sinners. I don't sit in the scene of the scornful. I delight myself in the Lord. Now, Lord, I'm ready to order. And God said, okay. I got my pad out. What do you want? Well, God, I don't know all that you got. So many times I say, oh God, just fix me up the best thing you've got in the kitchen and surprise me, Lord. And it comes back and God says, surprise, surprise. Kind of sounds like Gomer, you know. Surprise. Have you ever prayed for something that you were sorry you prayed for? Don't look at your companion now. Come on, please. Don't look at him. Don't look at him. Hey, have you ever been Christmas shopping and you see one of those $10 surprises? I can take a chance and buy what's in that box or I can choose to buy what I want to with my money. So let's say I buy one of those $10 surprise gift box and I open it up and what's in it? Curlers. (laughs) Now, I did sure do not need curlers. I need what's under those curdles. I need hair, a lot of hair. I need a wig. I mean, I've tried everything to grow hair. Someone said, you put hot packs, I'll grow it. I just burn my skull. Someone said, no, you put, you freeze it and put ice on it. And I got brain freeze. Someone said, if you'll buy vodka and rub it in your hair. It didn't work, so I gave it to Pastor Sawyer and he drank it. No. No, he's a teetotaler, I'm sorry. But I saw that brother sleeping back there, and I knew I had to wake him up. And he woke in. But look, I have discovered the solution for baldness. I'm going to let my eyebrows grow real long and just come over the back. Uh-huh. Let's get back right now to the $10 surprise box. So let's suppose for a moment that the person who packed that box knew me. And let's suppose that the person that packed that box made me. And let's suppose that the person that packed that box loved me with a love more than anybody in the whole world. Let's suppose that the person that packed that box owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And all the gold and silver that is in those hills, how do you think I ought to spend my $10 now? I'll buy the box. Every single time. Because my God in heaven, he loves me. He loves me more than I love myself. 
He knows what I need more than I know what I need. He knows what I want more than I know what I want. Did you ever have anything bad happen to you? And later on you said, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. Because all we have to judge is our senses, our smell, our sight, our hearing, our feeling. But he who is omnipotent, omniscient, who knows everything, has something for you. And he knows what you need and what you want more than you want to. And he owns everything. And he who loves you more than anything has something for you. So God says, you've met the conditions for prayer. Okay. Now go ahead and order. You've made the conditions. Okay, tell me what you want now. I'm ready to take your order. Number one, God says, you can have what you want. But before you order, there's a second choice. God said, if you'd like for me to, I'd pick out something for you and give it to you. And brother, I have learned in 68 years of preaching the gospel to say, surprise me, Lord. I've often been asked, Pastor, did you ever expect or plan plan to build a dream center? No, no. Nobody ever heard. We would tell a lady to build a church, but before we could build a church, we had to build people. They were the church. And that's how the dream center happened. Did you ever expect that someday you'd be the chancellor of a university? I mean, I didn't even graduate from college. When they asked me to be the the chancellor of Grand Canyon University years ago, and later on, I'm chancellor now of Southeastern University. When they asked me to be the chancellor, I thought they were talking about a chandelier. That's how dumb that I was. (laughs) I'm not an educator. You ought to have been chancellor of two of the great universities. I expect I'd write books and all, pin 12 of them. I'm not a writer. Did you ever expect someday you'd be Joyce Meyer, pastor, and Brian Houston, and the list goes on and on, that asked me to be their pastor and be your pastor's pastor? Never expected that honor. Never did. Never did. I mean, Joyce Meyer's pastor, man, that's a job to keep that woman in line. I want you to know that. Did you ever expect that you'd have a pastor's conference and pastors like you see here that would come and go home and their lives be changed? No, no, no. Did you ever expect to travel around the world and preach the gospel? Nope. But one day I discovered there was a second choice. I could get what I want. And by the way, you deserve to have it. If you meet the conditions and it's your rights. Or I could just add to it. I could choose to have for my life what he wants. And I'll guarantee you that there's no life in this world like getting what he wants. What a tremendous way to live. 
If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask what you will and get it. Or you can go to the Lord's prayer and say, Thy kingdom come. I want you will to be done. And when you pray that way, every day's like Christmas. Every day's an exciting adventure. Some people wake up in the morning and say, Good Lord, it's morning. Me, I wake up and say, Good morning, Lord. I don't rebuke the devil. I say the whole earth is filled with your glory. I'm not going to live my life in the consciousness of the devil. Come on, say again. God, you're on the throne. Guide my life. And every turn there could be a numerical. Because I've learned to say, Lord, I really don't want anything. You just surprised me. Proverbs 3 and verse 6 is my life's story. In all thy ways, Acknowledge him. That's six words. If that's your part, that's my part. And all I ways acknowledge him. And the next six words are his part. And he will direct your path. It's so simple. Just live your life acknowledging him. That's what you've done all day here. You've acknowledged God and his greatness and his power. Go ahead and ask. Ask as big as you can. You can ask too big. See, the problem is we won't ask God big enough. We, we can't imagine. You know what I've asked God now for? I hate to tell you. Because I hate guys who get up and just say, we're taking the whole city for God. city got 18 million people. Well, they better start on their block. Come on, say a good amen. Right. Uh, I shouldn't tell you because you'll think I'm stupid. You'll think I'm a fool. You can't make a fool out of a fool, can you, Pastor? Amen. I'm a fool for Christ's sake. I've been praying that before I die that somebody would give me a billion dollars. Now see how quiet you are. Oh, that's cute, Pastor, but hey. No. You know what I do with it? I build dream centers all over the world for people. I don't know a billionaire. If you know one, send them to me. Amen. See, I'm telling you, ask big, believe God. But I'd encourage you to add to the end of that prayer, but oh God, if you got something bigger and better, surprise me, Lord, amen. Oh, Joe Namath, you know, the great football player. (laughs) He came to our conference and God just saved his soul and he said, I can't wait to get up in the morning to see how good looking I've gotten during the night. And I can relate to that. How many can relate to that? Amen. What he was saying is, every day with Jesus, I wake up here, I'm an 84-year-old man, happiest old man you've ever seen. Do you have time for just one more illustration? Everybody, give me five minutes more, put your hand up. Five, 10, 15, 20, 20. No, I'll stick with the five minutes. But this one, you can't miss this one. Can't miss it. Only thing that would be better is that concert tonight. Amen. (laughs) Hear me now. There have been three great events in my life that I've celebrated. A lot of great events, but three. And one of them is my first pastor in Davenport, Iowa. And I had a part in reaching out to Johnny Cash when I spoke in Nashville, Tennessee at Jimmy Snow's church. He was there. 
with June. And when it was over, he came up and he was very touched. Told me how he was touched. A week later, in the service, he accepted Christ, him and June Carter. When they came to Phoenix, excuse me, Davenport, Iowa, they rented the biggest auditorium. And at the end of the concert, I went back to where the guard was guarding where he was at in the back room. And I said to the guard, tell Mr. Cashier, is Tommy Barnett here? I didn't know if he remembered me or not, but he'd like, like to see him. And he was right behind the curtain. I didn't know it. And he said, send the reverend in. And I walked in and said, Mr. Cash, I tell you, I've had a dream all my life to have the world's biggest Sunday school, Jerry Falwell. It was a big deal to announce he'd had the world's biggest Sunday school. He'd had 20-some-odd thousand in a baseball stadium there. And I said, Mr. Cash, I just love to beat the Baptists. Amen. <laughs> I said, I've got a dream. We can rent John O'Donnell Stadium, and we could get 30,000 people in there, and we'll advertise it as the world's greatest Sunday school. And you say, and I'll preach. And he didn't say I'd pray about it. So I'll do it. I felt like saying, you are you sure? Have you sought God about this? You know, amen. He came. He brought two semi-trucks filled with all the equipment, the PA system, everything. He brought the Carter Singers. He brought Carl Perkins, blue suede shoes guy. He brought his entire band, his entire caravan. Now that is over 43 years ago. And that 100000 that he charged when he had a, one appearance, $100,000, that'd be like $500,000 now. And he said, uh, Reverend, uh, could I just sing one secular song? He said, I think it would open up people's hearts a little bit more if they didn't just feel like, and that was back when nobody did that. But who tells Johnny Cash no? Amen. I said, okay, brother. And then he opened up by singing, Sunday morning, coming down. And there's a line in there that says, and the beer I had for breakfast tastes, so I have one more. And I thought, I'm going to be kicked out with the assemblies of God. <laughs> but they loved it. The rest of it was gospel music. And I preached 15 minutes and gave an altar call. And he sang, come home, come home at supper time. And 6,000 people came to the front of that building, stood on second base and gave their heart to Jesus Christ. That was a great day for me. I walked out in the parking lot and I mean, I was higher than a kite. I was higher than when I was on LSD. No, I've never taken drugs. <laughs> Just trying to keep that guy awake back there, amen. I walked in the parking lot. I mean, I was rejoicing and shouting and a little guy showed up. He said, Pastor, I never expected in my lifetime to see anything like this. It was like a Billy Graham crusade. Pastor, I'm so proud of our church. And he started weeping. I'm so proud of you, Pastor. And then he looked at me and said, But Pastor, as he pointed his finger at me, you can do more. Fast forward to Phoenix, Arizona. We started with 200 very negative people and our church begin to grow. And God began to bless. And we begin to reach out to people nobody else wanted. And 
we needed a new building, so we announced we was going to build this 6,000 seat, which would be the second largest auditorium at that time in America. People criticized. They said it's an ego trip. They'll never fill it. They'll never get the money. And it was a struggle. You know about that. It was a struggle. You see, if the vision is bigger than you, then it's God's vision. And it was bigger than me. The date came for the dedication. Building's finished. And I thought, oh God, I, what shall I do? Will anybody be there in that sixth hour? And I peeked out from the side door before church. And when I saw what I saw, it scared me half to death. The place was jam-packed. People around the walls. Down every seat filled. And I thought, oh God, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big preacher. I'm not a city preacher. I'm just a country preacher that's never been to the country. And I was going to preach that day. Well, the beauty of the temple, talk about the cherubims and talk about the gold p- pillars. And God spoke to me as I walked down and said, I don't want you to preach this. I don't want this church to get any glory. And I changed it to a sermon entitled where the scripture says, he is altogether lovely. And I said, if anybody takes credit for what has happened, may this building be destroyed. May the buses, and I love buses, amen. Every one of them be blown up. If I take credit or any man that takes credit for what God has done here, may God cut it down from the pulpit, which means take him away. Take him on to heaven. Because he and he alone is altogether beautiful. And the glory of God fell in that place. It was like there was a fog in the auditorium. It was unbelievable. I've never seen a service quite like it. Now, when I walked out of the parking lot that day, I was really happy. I mean, I was like just skipping along. That little guy showed up again. He always seems to show up at moments like this. He said, Pastor, this is, this is greater than Johnny Cash coming. Pastor, I didn't think we'd ever exceed that, but God has been so good and God has blessed so greatly. Pastor, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the church. I'm so proud. And then he looked at me and pointed his finger in my face and said, but you can do more. Fast forward one more time. The Dream Center. It was going to take $49 million to bring it up to code so we could be legal existing there. And the city put the pressure on us. If we didn't get it done, then they closed us down. I never thought in my wildest dream that I had ever see the Dream Center not only paid for but finished, which would take totally, altogether, everything, $49 million. But five years ago, I went up the elevator to the top floor that overlooks this gigantic city, and we burned the mortgage space. Get free. And I walked out. That building got the elevator, went down, went to the parking lot. I mean, I'm, this was the greatest day. 
I never in my wildest dreams ever thought that I'd live to see it paid for. And guess who showed up? And he said, this is the greatest miracle, Pastor, that I've ever seen in my life. And he said, I'm so proud of the church. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of God. But then he took his old bony finger and pointed in my face and said, but you can do more. And every time that God blesses, and every time he does something great in my life, that little guy shows up and says, but you can do more. There's some real achievers in this building. Eddie, God's raised you up. You've become legendary in what God has done. The songs that you've written, your great spirit, a man of integrity. God's really used you, buddy. But you can do more. I was looking for the other worship leaders, but either the rapture came or were the, they're the only ones that made it. But, but, but you know that, Adam, the Lord's using you in our church like he's never used a worship leader. And I thank God for how he's used you. Your love for God and your life is impeccable. God's really used you, but but you can do more. And Brother Kennedy, <laughs> so we used to call people, brother, sister. She reminded me if we didn't know their names, we'd just say, sister, how you doing? <laughs> so Brother Kennedy and sister, amen. Pastor tells me how God used you to touch men's lives. He told me it's the greatest program that he'd ever seen throughout the You've touched the life of millions of people, perhaps, through all the connections. But I want to tell you, you can do more. You can do more. Well, it's been a great day. I've watched you guys build. You've been building and battling for 40 years. It's a miracle when you built that first building. And then you bit off this great, great, great project out here with all this land. And I've come many times, and every time I come, I did feel like I feel now. We drove down last night, and he pointed out this beautiful acreage, the city of Huntsville moving this way. And I really believe with all my heart that God has set this church up. God has blessed you. Let me tell you, when I travel the country and they talk about George Sawyer, you know what they say? What a great man. What a man of integrity. A good man. Clean name. God used you to raise up these young men. They're blessing. And there's Teddy. See, he was on the back row with the sinners a while ago. Now, don't say anything about coffee. Until the anointing kicks in, we got the coffee. Come on, say good evening.
But I want to say to you, the latter house shall be greater than the former house. God has blessed you, my dear friend. But you can do more. And I want to be that little voice in your mind. That every time God blesses you, gives you the raise or opens up a door. And that little voice is there saying, you can do more. Because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And I say to this church, stay behind this guy like you have. Don't just come in and suck all the good and go somewhere else and come back on a big day and say, you're still my pastor. We just want to slap you when you say that. Come on, say it. What you need to do is get behind You say like a marriage, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. This church's future is ahead of it. I said it's not behind it. It's ahead of us. And I want everybody in this building who will say, Pastor, I know I can do more. I can give more. I can be more faithful. I can offer myself more. I can be more loyal. I can be more caring because this man and woman will go further if they have somebody say, we'll be with you all the way, Pastor. He'll fight every demon in hell with a squirt gun. Amen. If you're behind. How many will say, Pastor, we can do more if that's you stand up. On the 40th anniversary, you've been here for 40 years, paying your tithes, loving the man of God, filling that seat. But everybody that'll say, I'm in, preacher, give me a big shout. Pastor, come up here. We're going to close with this. I started to call you the front to pray over you, but we've been prayed over 14 times already. Phyllis. When I say, Pastor George, that's you. Amen. We know who's the power around here. Amen. You know, when David was anointed king, he said, I want you to anoint me with fresh oil. I don't think we have any oil here today. If we do, it'll appear while I'm talking. Amen. But if not, you know what the oil is. It's anointing of God. That's just representing it. Here comes a guy running for oil right now. If I'd asked for steaks, you'd run a steers, herd of steers through this place. Amen. But David said, anoint me with oil. And they anointed him, and God bless him. And then he became, thank you, a bigger sphere over Judea. And his low got bigger, and he said, as he went to the priest, anoint me now with fresh oil. Old oil won't do. And then his fear got bigger, and he was made king over all of Israel, Judea, the whole works. And he said, look, old oil won't do. For the next week of my life, I need fresh oil. And today, We're going to anoint this pastor and his wife with fresh oil. 
Brother Sawyer, when you leave this place today, when you walk off this, there's going to be a fresh new touch. Because that's what they did. I want everybody to stretch your hand out towards pastors. Father, these guys have been faithful. They've built, they've battled. They've been true, they've been faithful. Through the good times, the bad times, through the sick moments and the healthy moments. They've been so faithful. Today we anoint him with fresh oil. Fresh oil. I pray, God, that new strength will shoot through those bones right now. I pray, God, that you'll renew it like the eagle so he can fly higher, see better than he's ever seen before, fight harder than ever before. And when it comes to time when they pluck the feathers out and they grow back stronger, God, and I pray in the name of Jesus that the fire of God shall fall upon this man now. And his latter house shall be greater than his former house. And this church will see the glory of God in the land of the living God. We won't have the way to get to heaven. We declare the glory of God over this church like never before and over this city and over this property and over the buildings that will be built. And we proclaim it and everybody said with me in the name of Jesus. Say it again. Say it one more time. Now really shout it. Come on, let's give God a praise right now. Lift your hands up. Begin to praise God. Amen. Begin to worship God. Come on, surprise me. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.